Welcome to the Membership Guys podcast. Kick-ass advice and tips for membership site owners. What's up everyone, welcome to episode 242 of the Membership Guys podcast. I'm your host Mike Morrison, thank you so much for joining me today. I promise you this is a fantastic show because I am joined by Pinterest expert Cara Chase. Cara Chase is the creator of Pinterest Power Up, a Pinterest marketing membership, and the owner of Chase Digital, which is a Pinterest marketing agency. So it's fair to say... She knows her onions about Pinterest. Cara started in social media back in 2011 by managing 13 million fans across 17 social media accounts for a worldwide band. We can't say who that band is. I know who it is. They're a pretty big deal. Since then, she's gone on to discover what makes a fantastic digital marketing strategy for online entrepreneurs and, being a membership owner herself, what works for promoting memberships. And she loves to teach how Pinterest fits into that strategy. Now, knowing very little about Pinterest, other than the handful of times where I've used it to research uh, things for decorating the house or to salivate over pictures of insane cakes, I don't really have too much experience personally with using Pinterest from a marketing perspective. So I was real excited about getting Cara on the show to discuss how you can use Pinterest to market your membership site. So without any further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Cara Chase. Cara Chase, welcome to the Membership Guys podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here because this is a little bit of a first for me because you'll know yourself. I know obviously you're one of our members. Um, you listen to the show and all that. We rarely have interviews on this show. And when we do, pretty much every time I've had a guest on the show to share their expertise, it's usually on the topic where I've also got a decent amount of knowledge and experience with. And so we kind of were starting from from a little further into the journey of understanding and and stuff like that. But in this case, using Pinterest to market your membership, I've got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Pinterest just isn't a platform I've ever really dove into other than a really basic, very limited and and most likely terrible um, like surface level use. However, I know there are people out there doing really well with Pinterest, so I know that uh, it's it's got a lot of legs from a marketing perspective. So I think the best place to start is what have I been missing? What might other people be missing? Is Pinterest kind of this best-kept secret of all the social platforms from a marketing perspective? What does it offer that other social channels don't? Yeah, those are all really good questions, and I can assure you that you are not the only one to feel like you've been asleep at the wheel a little bit with Pinterest. And there's a good reason for that. I think there's a lot of misconceptions and misunderstandings when it comes to what is Pinterest. So oftentimes I hear from small business owners and online entrepreneurs that they know how to use Pinterest personally when they're looking for those kind of classic Pinterest industry things like recipes or their bathroom remodel and stuff like that. But what they miss and what they don't understand is how to use it to market their business. And the fundamental thing that you have to understand with Pinterest marketing is that it is not social media. 
Mm. It's actually a visual search engine and it has much more in common with Google and even YouTube than it does Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, any of the traditional social media platforms that we use. So at its core, it functions on keywords. And to make it really simple, as a business owner, you know your keywords are about what you're teaching, what you're doing, the problems that you're solving. So it's a really easy step to go from how do I do my keyword research on a search engine like Pinterest Mm. and get my content in front of my audience that is looking to solve these problems. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that mischaracterization uh, is is definitely something I've done. You know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest and so on. You, you just include it in that list because I think it, it kind of almost came to prominence almost around the same time. There's a lot of aesthetic elements that are kind of similar in terms of the branding and all that sort right. of stuff. Um, but it, it has always struck me that it's, it is a very different animal to those kind of platforms. It's not driven by likes or comments and certainly doesn't seem to be driven by the same type of almost social interaction. And that only, engagement. Yeah, right. yeah. And so that's I think that's kind of what's always stumped me a little bit in terms of what, sort of interaction, what type of engagement can be expected on Pinterest? Is is there still that social element to it? Or is it is it fully uh, a search engine of sorts, as, as you mentioned? Or is it an in-between? There really isn't engagement type things that happen on Pinterest. There have been times over the last couple of years where Pinterest has rolled out a feature or two that are really geared more towards that engagement or, or comments or, you know, some of that more traditional stuff, but it's always fallen flat because that's not what people go to Pinterest for. People know they go to Pinterest to get ideas, to get inspired, to learn, to solve a problem. And really the only engagement that happens on Pinterest is people clicking that pin to go through to your website it is a traffic driver, period. Mm. So by pairing keywords and all of the fundamentals of a search engine with this great visual thing that happens with our lizard brain where we see a really great graphic and it draws us in and we want to know more, it is rewarding you for sending people to your website, which no other social media platform does. Right, right. And so, um, you know, it, it kind of strikes me then that for highly visual industries and, and markets where there's a big aesthetic focus, so you kind of touched on it before, the types of businesses you you almost associate with Pinterest, fashion, fitness, interior design, weddings, um, you know, recipes, people who create uh, incredible cakes and all that stuff, then Pinterest would be a bit of a no-brainer. Right. But what about what about the more I can't really think of a nice way of saying it, the more visually boring businesses. <laughs> like those are those are like the information business, like what yeah. I do and like and what, what you we do. do. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So here's the really cool thing. 
There are some very basic best practices with Pinterest graphics that everyone should know if they start using Pinterest, like you need to have a a vertical image that's a two to three ratio, and you should follow your branding guidelines, like your colors and your fonts and any stock photography you use Mm. if you're not a brand that's like wedding photography or something like that. But Pinterest actually reads the verbiage that is on the pin graphic. So if I have a pin graphic that even is just a solid color that says top 10 sales funnels for Pinterest marketing, Pinterest is going to read the verbiage on the graphic besides the verbiage that I put in the pin description that's keyword rich Mm. and surface that with other search results that have those keywords. So if you you know mess around on Pinterest at all and you look for things that have to do with your industry, then you're going to find a lot of those graphics because people are going to Pinterest not just to look at pretty pictures like we see on Instagram, but to learn and to get inspired. So is it is one more important than the other in terms of the the written content that goes along with your graphic? I know you can kind of you can write the descriptions and the captions. Is is there a a balance? Should it say the same thing as what's in in your your graphic? Because I didn't realize Pinterest actually reads the content of of those visuals. Yeah. So to get into the back end of how Pinterest functions a little bit, there should be a cohesiveness between what is on your pin graphic, the pin title and description, and the URL, what is on the web page that that pin is connected to. And For do, example. So I was going to say, so the Pinterest actually go to the extent of, of, ranking those the the images you share on Pinterest based on what's on the web page you're linking to as well. Yes, okay. which is incredible and I think it started for them as a way to way to figure out a spam issue mm. because you can link a pin graphic to any URL anywhere on the internet. So You know, in the early days, there was a lot of people would find a really great pin graphic that was being repinned and kind of redirect that pin to a spammy site or, you know, whatever it was. So Pinterest developed on the back end the ability to make sure that there is that cohesiveness between what you're saying the pin is and where it's going to. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'd imagine then for people who, who are already aware of some of the things that I'm just learning for the first time here um, in terms of just how how powerful Pinterest's uh, kind of search and ranking uh, mechanisms are. Are there any almost cliched types of, of graphics? Like I'm thinking of with Instagram, like the every other post that isn't a, you know, a, a model posing in a bikini is right. a, it's it's a quote image, right? right? It's it's some it's someone quoting Gandhi or Tony Robbins, <laughs> which is possibly the first time Gandhi and Tony Robbins have been put in the same sentence. Um, right? Is it, it does Pinterest have its own version of that amongst the 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 non visual businesses? 
So it's really interesting you should bring up quotes because this goes to how a business owner should really understand the difference in platforms. Mm. So what you'll find on Pinterest is just like everywhere else, people love inspirational quotes. It's super cheesy. People love it. You know, it just is what it is. I don't know that we'll ever escape the vortex of (laughs) inspirational quotes, but What you find on Pinterest is people will save them, but it doesn't lead to click throughs to your website. Mm. And so a business owner that goes, well, I know inspirational quotes do well and look how many repins we've gotten and look how popular this, this pin is. Okay. But is it going through to your website? Because that's what Pinterest is for. And that's really the only metric that matters. So that goes to like, a fundamental understanding of what your goals are for Pinterest. So more to your question, is there an equivalent of like rolling your eyes? I've seen this a million times. What people do get caught in is kind of that same pin graphic template. There's a lot of people that use Canva, Easel. Um, There's amazing web-based graphic design software out there that makes it accessible and easy for everybody to do. But what happens is they say, hey, here's our pin templates and people don't make enough effort to make it their own. So you get the whole, oh, that's a Canva template or that's an Easel template. And people aren't really showing up as their brand in their business with their graphic design. Yeah. And everyone's using the very first pin graphic template in Canva. (laughs) Like they're not even scrolling down to the other ones. Or they don't (laughs) even bother to put, you know, their colors or their logo on it. Right. So that's kind of the equivalent for Pinterest for sure. Okay, so, uh, you know, for for people who are running memberships in particular, um, this this is – probably one of those how long's a piece of string but what's a good kind of basic starting marketing strategy that people can jump into if they want to start using Pinterest um, for promoting their membership how how should they get started and dip their toes into the water yeah that's a great question because I get a lot of feedback from people that they feel overwhelmed like I have a hundred blogs I'm never gonna have time to sit down and create even one pin graphic for a hundred blogs and it just never happens so I'm the kind of person that I like to start with analytics and hard data to be smart about my time and effort. And so what I would do is look at your Google Analytics, look at the funnels that you have set up for your membership and determine how people are getting into that funnel, whether it's a viral blog post that you have done that is a great conversion, Um, whether it's a freebie that puts people on your email list and then you convert from there. You can do organic pins straight to a sales page, which you should do. Mm -hmm. But I think we all know as online entrepreneurs, it can be a little easier, even though it takes longer to get people on your list, get them in your world before you try and get them to sign up for something. So what I would say is take your top five, whatever free content that is, whether it's an opt-in or a great article or a great video that you've done and drive traffic from Pinterest to those pages first. And instead of trying to do one pin a piece, come up with three to five different graphic templates 
that all go to those pieces of content so you can start testing what visuals work the best for your Pinterest audience. So this is another key point about how Pinterest is different. It's not about creating more content. It's about creating more pins for the content you have. Right. So as long as the pin, say you've got your awesome sauce opt-in sales, not sales page, but a freebie opt-in that is like your main entrance to your funnel that converts really well for your membership. You can create a hundred different pins that all go to that one URL. And as long as the graphic and the pin description are slightly different, Pinterest is going to see that as fresh content. So it really is the ultimate working smarter. Okay. And so is, is there a, uh, a risk of being penalized in some way for having having lots of uh, pins and graphics going to the same place? Because I think that's that's possibly uh, where the comparisons to the likes of Google, um, it starts to get a little tough because obviously Google is based on websites that you don't control that link to you versus you essentially submitting backlinks for yourself. Is, is, is this an area where you need to tread carefully that you're not essentially just flooding Pinterest with spam or they don't think that you are. Um, how, you know, you mentioned making sure that the graphic, the visuals and the, the captions are different, but presumably, you know, changing the background color and just changing a word isn't going to be different enough or, or is it? Is, do, you, do you need a bit more nuance with this? Um, I get a lot of questions about that because this concept can be really foreign mm. to marketers. Um, but to answer your question, it does not matter how many pins go back to the same URL. Okay. So is there, how much is enough of a difference? Yes. There's a little bit of gray area. If you change one word in your pin description, probably not quite enough. If you change around the, um, sentence structure and which sentence comes first or what your strong call to action words are, those are going to be enough of a difference. If you change the background color, maybe not quite so much, but maybe changing one word on the verbiage along with changing the background color yeah. is going to be enough. So it really does look at the graphic and the keywords as the determining factor. The other thing that I would say is you, I'm just like every other platform, you really do need to be consistent. So don't create 50 pins for one URL, pin them all to the same board on the same day, never pin anything again, (laughs) and then think, well, what's happening? This didn't work. Mm. You've got to have that consistency. So maybe if you have 50 pins, you're doing a few a day while you figure out the rest of your system and how you're going to market on Pinterest. Yeah. And I would assume that the number of kind of people pinning your content to their boards, presumably that that will influence uh, how readily your, your content appears when people search or is that part of the kind of the, the, the secret source behind the scenes that Pinterest don't, don't tell you about in terms of how to influence, um, their, their search algorithm, or is it kind of tried and tested and obvious, I suppose that if your, if your content is popularly pinned, your content is going to show up when people search, which is going to lead to more click throughs. 
Um, yes. This is probably sound like a dumb question. <laughs> no, it's not at all. Because I mean, like you said, there's so many people that just don't really understand Pinterest. So these are all fantastic questions. So you're right on the money. People repinning your pin is going to let Pinterest know that people want to know that information. Mm. People clicking through is an even better indication. So, you know, if you want to lump that into what is considered engagement, you could consider that engagement. Mm -hmm. But I would much rather have a click through to my website than somebody liking my pin, right? Yes, exactly. So, um, yes, other people repinning it is kind of the magic sauce of Pinterest. I call it the magic pixie dust <laughs> because your pins tend to snowball. And the more it's engaged with, the more people repin it or click through, the more it's going to show up in those search results. And things happen all the time. For example, my most viral pin, I kind of hate using the word viral, but everybody knows what you're talking about, yes. is a blog that I wrote in 2015. Wow. And every day... I get traffic and email signups, and it's one of my top 10 traffic drivers every single month, five so years the, later. So the recency isn't isn't as much of a, an influencing factor as it seems to be becoming with the likes of Google, where you know newer content will appear in a new section and all that sort of stuff as that, that search page gets, gets noisier. So there's real evergreen value there with your Pinterest there, content. That is the essence of Pinterest, is that evergreen relevance value that you can still tap into. Yeah. It's a, it's incredible. And is there is there any scope or is there any benefit for balancing the the content that links direct your site with content that is purely um Pinterest content. It's purely content for the purpose of getting people to to say engagement and we're obviously reframing the idea of engagement. But would you ever post something that is only intended to be seen on on Pinterest, is there any benefit to that, or are you missing it? Uh, missing an opportunity to link, you know, those, uh, you know, that that photograph of an amazing sunset or something right. that that you might post on Instagram, right? You might post on Facebook. Right. Does that um, have any place? No. Okay. To answer your question, that's so, awesome. that's good to know. Yeah. So Pinterest does not like it when a pin does not go anywhere. Okay. That's that's not the point of the platform and its essence. So it does not like that. But you can't just pin your own stuff all the time. Pinterest is not supposed to be a portfolio. Mm. It is supposed to be a community. So the way to look at it is what other valuable great content can I provide my Pinterest audience? And the way I look at it as is a Venn diagram of what my ideal customer avatar is interested in. So I'm very clear that for my membership, I love having other online entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So an online entrepreneur that is looking for how to up their game on their Pinterest marketing, what else are they looking for? Well, they're probably also looking at email marketing, how to do opt-ins, mm -hmm. maybe website design, how to build a membership or an online course, all of those things that go into our world of how to run our business. And so I know that I'm also going to be repinning 
other people's content that's super valuable that I know my audience is also going to be interested in. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And how about video? Where does video factor in? Because Pinterest does support pinning videos with, and and uh, I, I would imagine that compared to having you know a, a promotional graphic for your latest blog post, if you're posting video, maybe that means you're posting the the whole thing, or would you post a teaser, or am I just? misconstruing the idea of uh, sharing video on Pinterest. Yeah. So let me give you the scoop on video as it stands right now and what I have seen with results in marketing. So the fundamentals are that it still needs to be that vertical ratio. So if you have square or landscape like traditional video, you are going to want to plug it into resizing it. However, you do that. You can do it in Photoshop. You know, uh, there's a bunch of programs that will do that. Mm. Pinterest came out and said, hey, we're in the video game. We really want everybody to do video. In fact, we're so into the video game that when you search for something on Pinterest, we're going to show you video results first. And so everybody got really, really excited and started pumping out video pins. But here's what Pinterest didn't tell us. Pinterest does not let videos function the same way a normal pin does. So a normal static image pin, when you tap on it, it brings it up and then you tap through to the website. Mm. So everybody knows and is trained that that's how the platform functions. Video pins, when you tap on it, all it does is pause and play and pause and play. You have to search for the link to go through to that website. So what marketers are seeing or business owners in general are seeing is their videos are getting tons and tons and tons of impressions, but no click throughs to their website. Right. So that's like you getting 500,000 likes on an Instagram photo, but nobody buys anything like, (laughs) okay. So what I will say is that I don't think it's a strategy that you need to discount, but it's not quite there yet. So say you have a piece of content that you want to do pins for and you do, you know, five pins for that piece of content, make one of them a video if you have video available, but don't put a whole bunch of effort into that video strategy yet. That could change in the future, but right now that's where it stands. It's almost kind of like keeping... Keeping your toe in the water, I've toe in the water twice now, but keeping keeping your hand in on the video front in case they change yes. of the strategy without going all in and then sitting there wondering why you're getting all of this engagement on Pinterest, but zero traffic right. from it. All right. Okay. So um, I've, I've got to ask about Pinterest boards. Again, yes. I'm kind of working through the list of, okay, these are things I've heard about. Right. Um, <laughs> How do they factor in? How important are they? Is it purely for your own organizational um, purposes when you're posting content as opposed to, you know, I've certainly I've, I've used boards as a, a, a researcher where I've done kind of collecting mood boards for ideas for branding, for decorating, stuff like that. But when you're sharing content, how important is the, the organization of that content into boards? Does it matter? Is there a a particular approach that is better? Um, I'm so glad you asked this because I'm about to blow your mind right now. So boards are hugely important and another layer of your keyword strategy. They are so important 
that Google indexes Pinterest boards. Okay. So if you go on Google and you type, you know, just to throw something easy out there, wedding trends, 2020, you are going to find search results for people's Pinterest boards from Google. So the titles of the boards are another opportunity for you to put in keyword phrases. Mm. And there's this kind of magic in between of you don't want to be too general, but you don't want to be too specific. So too general would be my recipes, right? (laughs) You're never going to get ranked for that, even though it's specific to, you know, something that you're Mm. searching for. But if you said, vegan, gluten-free, you know, sustainable, whatever, (laughs) crockpot recipes, nobody's going to be searching for that enough for that to ever come up. So something in the middle like ketogenic recipes or just gluten-free recipes, that is that magic in the middle of really honing in on what your audience is searching for. For me, that's Pinterest management and marketing, Okay. right? It's not just Pinterest. It's not just management and marketing. It's right in the middle. The other thing that you have the opportunity for is a board description. So this should not be keyword stuffed, right? Mm -hmm. Don't do the whole like copy paste list of keyword phrases. It should be a typical like conversational two to three sentences that are keyword rich But here's the magic. Again, a little bit of insight into how Pinterest functions on the back end. If I have a pin that is specific to a Pinterest strategy that is going to a blog on my site, I create the pin, I create the pin title and description, and then I pin it, instead of pinning it to like my blog board, I'm going to pin it to my Pinterest marketing board first. The reason for that is, and so the rule is the closest closest subject board. When somebody sees that pin and repins it, the metadata of that board description travels with that pin when it's repinned across Pinterest. Okay. So instead of having Kara Chase, you know, here's everything that I blog about and everything about my business. It's going to be specific to what I'm teaching about with Pinterest marketing, which oh. is really cool. It is. That's really, really cool. I'm, I'm actually, I'm kind of chomping at the bit now to to dive into what we're doing on Pinterest a little more because we just, and I'm sure, again, we're not the, the only ones with this, but we use Call Schedule um, for scheduling social media messages and Pinterest is just one of the boxes that's checked. We have right. a graphic for it. It gets the same description into it and it just, it just goes out automatically and I don't even think we even look at it on the Pinterest site, yet we right. get traffic just from that. For, for minimal effort. So I'm, I'm quite keen to dive into it a bit more now. Yeah, it's pretty magic. So the other way that you need to think of your boards is going back to that whole Venn diagram of what do you think your audience is interested in. Mm. So I separate those out into boards. So I have a few that have to do with Pinterest because obviously that's my niche and that's what I teach. But I have a board for email marketing and newsletters. I have a board for online entrepreneur favorite tools and apps. 
So that's an easy way to start framing out those different subject areas that you think your audience is interested in. Yeah, definitely. So we've we've kind of touched on uh, obviously a lot of things I don't think many people listening would have been aware were either possible or important uh, when using Pinterest for for marketing. And we've covered some of the the things you should do, some of the things you shouldn't do. Is there anything in terms of common pitfalls or mistakes that we haven't covered that you see people making? Yeah, um, a lot of them I've kind of already touched on a little bit, but the biggest common mistake is not knowing their keywords. Mm -hmm. So again, it goes back to this is how this platform functions. So start a Google sheet, spreadsheet, whatever you use and start searching in Pinterest. So some people make the mistake of they've done a ton of keyword research on Google. Mm. And of course there will be overlap, but the results that you get on Pinterest are going to be specific to how Pinterest users are searching. So the search bar functions exactly the same as the Google search bar in that it's predictive text. So when you start typing in keyword phrases, it's going to drop down with suggestions of what people are actually searching for. Mm. So don't just start throwing up pins willy nilly and check in the box without understanding what you're doing. Like start with a good foundation of these are my keywords. These are my top traffic drivers. So here's where I'm starting. And then the biggest pitfall is that lack of consistency that I touched on. That is how Pinterest is the same as every other marketing we do. They want you to be consistent and they will reward you for doing that. Yeah. And I think definitely the biggest thing for me has been that reframe from seeing Pinterest as, as a social media platform to actually seeing it as more of a search engine, but where you you have an unprecedented level of control over what content is actually put into that search yes. engine in a way that I don't think, you know, we don't really have with Google. We kind of send them to our site, give them the link and the site link and just hope that they they do something with it. Whereas with Pinterest, you know, it seems like there's a lot more control in in your hands and a lot more flexibility and as a result, a lot more potential and power in that as well. Um, now, of course, like all these other platforms like Google, um, Pinterest do offer ads. Yes. So you can run ads on, on Pinterest. Is that something people should be considering? Is it worth it? How might someone get the best out of Pinterest advertising? Oh my goodness. It's so worth it. It again is kind of a mind blowing. Oh, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, they call them promoted pins. And while there's not the in-depth level of targeting that you can do on Facebook, there's still really like a lot you can do such as you can do custom audiences just like Facebook. They have what they call a Pinterest tag, which is the same thing as a pixel. So you install it anywhere you want to track your customer journey on your website or in your funnel, and you can retarget based on that. You can retarget your email list, all of those kind of custom things to really hone in. It has all of those capabilities. Wow. Yes. You can also target by keywords. 
and interests and demographics like gender, uh, device, location, all of that kind of stuff. So there are a ton of options in there. It's just a little bit different. You know, they haven't been doing it as long as Facebook. Mm. However, if you didn't know, Pinterest did go public last year in 2019. So the changes that I have seen just in the ads platform have been exponential. So they are obviously putting a ton of effort and resources and research into upping that game because we all know that's that's what happens when you're a public company. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, is it worth it? The returns on my ROI that I see for myself and my clients is like nothing else I have ever experienced. I Now they are going to get more expensive and I'm yeah. already seeing those changes. However... I have gotten clients six cents an email address, not a click, not a click, Uh an email address. Right now, it's right about, I'm seeing anywhere from like 20 cents to 50 cents for an email address. Wow. Yes. It's been a long time since Facebook advertising has has delivered those kind of returns. (laughs) Yes. So the difference is... Pinterest is not quite as nimble Mm -hmm. with their algorithm yet as Facebook. So Facebook, and I'm not one that's going to like knock other platforms and whatever. They all have their different uses. It's just being aware of expectations and goals. So Facebook is really good for quick turnaround. You put in a bunch of money, you get quick results, two weeks, you know, you're doing a launch, whatever it is. Pinterest won't work that way. Pinterest is a long term evergreen strategy. If you want to build your email list consistently and get the best ROI on your ad dollars, you need to be running traffic ads from Pinterest to the tune of five to $10 a day and 150 to 200% ROI. Wow. I think the, the figure they came out with is for, and this was 2019 for every dollar advertisers spent they were seeing over $4 in gross returns, $2 in profit. That's crazy. It is crazy. It's like, you know, the angels singing in the background. (laughs) So you do have to know what you're doing. You know, just like every other platform, you can throw a bunch of money at it and not do it right and then think it doesn't work. You do have to, you know, know some basics and know how to test and know the expectations of, If you're going to set up a campaign, you need to be willing to let it run for two weeks, four weeks, six weeks for Pinterest algorithm to really hone in on your conversions. That's the other thing that they released um, probably about six months ago is beyond just traffic campaigns, conversion campaigns. So you can set up conversions to optimize for email signups, add to carts or checkouts. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a feeling that there'll have been a whole bunch of people listening who hit pause as soon as you <laughs> said six cents per email or 20 yeah. cents, per, even 20 cents per email. Um, and hopefully they're back with us now to discover that, you know, you just need a little bit of patience uh, yes. compared to maybe the expectations people have with Facebook. But I think, you know, when everyone's talking about Facebook ad costs rising and rising and rising and they're 
real estate for showing ads dropping. I'd imagine yes. this is where Pinterest being more akin to a search engine than a social network, they're, they're unlikely to have that sort of ad inventory problem um, in the same way that, that Facebook have. So hopefully it's a platform that, you know, if it continues to be slept on in the way that um, it has, hopefully it's a, a platform that won't kind of get too expensive right? and it'll continue get to good. kind of, yeah. Yeah. Get good, but not too good, right? Yeah. Like keep it real for the rest of us. So there's one more point about promoted pins that I really need to make sure the audience understands. And that is you can only promote a pin that already exists. Okay. So Facebook ads, you kind of create ads in a vacuum and you create the ad. And when the campaign is done or the money is gone, that ad asset doesn't exist anymore. With Pinterest, it essentially functions the way Facebook Boost is supposed to, but doesn't. So if you have been on Pinterest a while or you have a viral pin that shows up out of nowhere and you're like, oh my gosh, this is going gangbusters and this graphic did really well, you can promote that pin and give it that even more of a snowball effect to build the engagement in the search results. And what happens is even if you decide, you know what, I'm only going to spend 50 bucks on this pin that goes to my top of funnel opt-in. When that's done, it will continue to gain the benefit of that snowball effect of having mm -hmm. put ad dollars behind it. I and like it doesn't this. go anywhere. I like that. So would you say with that in mind, it's worth maybe waiting um, a couple of weeks after publishing a fresh pin on Pinterest before you start considering essentially boosting it as a promoted pin just to kind of just to see whether it gains organic traction as an indicator of, of it maybe doing even better with a bit of budget behind it? Or um, is, is that not necessary? It really depends on your risk tolerance and your mm. budget. So yeah. you could do both. You can absolutely. And I have done this for clients before where we want to create a pin series for campaigns. Like we want to put up 10 different pins because we want to test the graphic or we have something that's a little bit more time sensitive. Like we know this is a good time of year to be promoting a particular thing. And so we'll not only create the pin, but put it into a campaign right away. And that is going to give us more data mm. more quickly. Yeah. If you do not have a big ads budget and you really only want to be spending money on pins that you know are already great, then you would want to wait a month, even three months, to really see what's working well for you on Pinterest. So it's really up to your budget and your level of risk tolerance for using money to get that data. Cool. That makes sense. I've got a, a very specific question. That is purely a selfish question based on, <laughs> on the graphics we put on Pinterest. So in, in now knowing that Pinterest essentially reads the text that is in an image, I know when you're linking to content, they only allow it to link to one place. You can't also put links in the description and stuff like that because they don't want you to, you know, spam right. to different links. Would that then cause an issue if the the associated graphic to a pin has an actual link 
like a URL as part of the the, the visual because that's what we do on our graphics. We always have the membershipguys.com slash two three zero or whatever as part of the the graphic. Does that does that factor in? It's almost like there's two links in there, or is that a nothingness? No, that's totally fine to do. And thank you for asking that. So I always recommend that when people are putting their, you know, logo or whatever it is on their pin, which is another best practice you should do, Mm. it's totally okay instead of a watermark to put www.themembershipguys.com. It's totally okay to do that. And you should. And if you want to put the episode number, that is fine as well. The other thing I will have to say about links for creating the pin and putting in the URL that it goes to, you cannot use a link shortener or a cloaked link. Pinterest will mark that as spam. So people like to do affiliate marketing on Pinterest, which is okay, but they try and do a cloaked link or a bit.ly or whatever it is. And Pinterest does not allow that. So that's just another key point to throw in there. Okay. So would that apply to this obviously plug into WordPress, like pretty links, which do act as, as URL shorteners, but on your own domain name, is that a no, no? If it's a cloaked link, Mm. That's a no, no. So for example, like I use Tailwind for my Pinterest scheduling and obviously I'm an affiliate. So instead of posting the affiliate link everywhere, I do a short link that I have set up on the back end of my site. That's just carechase.com slash Tailwind, but it goes to that long affiliate link. If I were to put that on Pinterest, I am 99% positive that would count as a cloaked link. Okay. So don't do it. Okay. That is very, very useful to know. All right. Um, Cara, thank you so much for, for kind of coming on the show and definitely opening my eyes to the potential of Pinterest. Some of the things, um, yeah, some some grinning things we're going to try. We're definitely going to try our Pinterest advertising. Like 20 cents, even 20 cents a click. We'd be happy with that, let alone an email sign up. Um, I'm sure I'm not the only one eager to dive into this platform a little more. If someone wants more of your wisdom about Pinterest, where should they go? You can go to PinterestPowerUp.com, all one word, PinterestPowerUp.com. And that is my membership with the expertise of learning from you guys and everything that you put out. And it's a monthly membership to learn Pinterest marketing for online entrepreneurs. Perfect. And we'll include links to that in the show notes for this episode over at themembershipguys.com slash 242. Once again, Cara Chase, this has been great. This has been, I, I love interviews like this where admittedly it's a little bit of a free consultation session for me. <laughs> um, but, you know, I know thousands and thousands of other people are benefiting from this as well. So it's win-win. Um, yeah, really appreciate all of your insight. And I'm looking forward to doing a lot more with uh, our Pinterest marketing as well. Thank you so much for having me. I love creating those light bulb moments and it's always fun to talk about. So thanks so much. 
Thanks once again to Cara for joining me on the show. In case you didn't pick up from my reaction and my responses to the advice Cara was given, that was a real eye-opening interview for me, just in terms of how much potential there is in Pinterest. Even just the wow moment, kind of the clearing of the fog that comes from essentially recategorizing Pinterest from a social media platform, which a lot of people talk about it as. A lot of people discuss Pinterest in the context of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that sort of stuff. But recategorizing it to actually realize it's more like Google or even more like YouTube. And with that comes an entire different strategy, an entire different mindset, an entire different approach. So I know that there's a lot of the advice and insight that Cara shared that I'm going to start implementing right away for our own marketing. And I hope that you picked up some nuggets yourself and you can start to see how you might incorporate Pinterest into the marketing plan for your own membership. Now, if you are a member at Membership Academy, then you can get a little more from Cara. Cara did a fantastic workshop uh, not too long ago for Academy members on how to power up your marketing with Pinterest. In this workshop, um, she covered the Pinterest basics, some of the important steps to actually set up your profile, which is something we didn't go too much into during today's show. She also looked at some more of the common mistakes people make and also how to create a plan of action. And something that she shares within this workshop, and it's a resource available to download uh, within the Academy as well, is her 90-day Pinterest success roadmap. This is an awesome step-by-step pathway that actually takes you through an effective creating and implementing an effective Pinterest marketing strategy. So definitely check out that workshop inside Membership Academy. We'll have the link over on the show notes for today's episode. If you're not a member, then that's just one of many, many reasons why you should remedy that and join membershipacademy.com. If you want more from Cara, um, as mentioned, links through to her website and other content that you may find useful can be found on the show notes for today's episode at themembershipguys.com slash 242. That is it from me for this week. Thank you to Cara once again. Thanks to you for listening. I'll be back again next week with another installment of the Membership Guys podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode of the Membership Guys podcast, we invite you to check out membershipacademy.com. The Membership Academy is the essential resource for anyone at any stage of starting, growing, and running a membership website. Whether you're still trying to figure out what your idea is going to be, or whether your website is already up and running and you're just looking for ways to grow it and attract new members, then the Membership Academy can help you to get to the next level. With our extensive course library, monthly training, exclusive member-only discounts, perks and tools, and a supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback, encouragement and advice, the Membership Academy is the perfect place to be for anyone looking to start, manage and grow a successful membership website. Check it out at membershipacademy.com.